It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. And uh, week six already. Week six, it was, I mean, what an awesome. I know it's, you know, I know it's been a little bit disjointed. I I get that. You know, we knew there were going to be some positive tests. But in the overall scheme of things, to me, you know, I look at the, the positive side of this, meaning which is negative. The negative positive, how does that work? Like negative is actually positive, right? If you have a negative test, it's a positive thing. Positive test is a negative thing when it comes to COVID. So it's a little bit confusing, but I'm looking at the positive side of the negative, which means that a lot of teams don't have any test positive, which is positive. Positive. Two positives. Right. That's, that's a, a double positive. That's a double you know positive. You what else is positive? Our, our, our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. For all your workout and exercise needs, you got to check them out at sweetsweat.com. But getting back to the positives, which are negatives, but the positives that are positives, which is the season goes on. And the season goes on. Oof. Tuesday night that, football. And man, by the way, confusing. does Tuesday night football have a nice ring to it? It does. Doesn't it? Come on now. What music would they use for Tuesday night football? I don't know, but come on. Everybody out there listening, admit it. You kind of liked the NFL on Tuesday night, didn't you? I got to tell you that I was prepping for my game this week. So I was watching film and I had Tuesday night football up in the background. And so I'm just kind of watching because, you know, the film, the coach's tape that I study has no sound to it. So I'm listening and watching my tape and taking my notes and going deep dive into, you know, I do when I watch tape, like if I'm watching offensive tape, I'll say, okay, first and 10, what are they? You know, so I'll look at first and 10, and I'll say, okay, they're in 11 personnel or they're in 12 personnel or 13, whatever it is, right? So that's my first note, 12, right? Next note is formation. What kind of, are they in west, west slot? What are they in, right? So solo, what like what is their formation? So then I'll kind of write down a little, a little note. Hey, three by one bunch, three by one trips, three by one S, I'll be ST, Speed trips, which means the tight end's opposite. Like trips is normally in the West Coast naming system. And I kind of speak Spanglish when it comes to formations. Some of them I just kind of make up, you know, but they they make sense to me. So I'll write down like three by one speed trips, S-T. So what that means to me is trips is tight end, F receiver, Z receiver on the strong side. That would be trips, X receiver's backside by himself, right? Speed trips would be tight end on the open, tight end on the, you know, on the, the one side. The only one receiver is tight end on that side, and he's usually open. Like mean off, not lined up right directly next to the tackle, but open. And then you have three receivers. So you have the Z, the F, and the X. That's speed trips to me. Okay. So that's how that's like I give that note. So then I'll do that. And then based on what the play is. I'll say, hey man, was that a spread formation or a a, a, clo- a cluster formation or a, a condensed formation? So I'll give you S or a C, spread or cluster, a condensed, and then I'll say, was it a run or a pass? And then I'll tell you, then I'll write to myself a note like, what kind of run was it? Was it weak side counter? Was it strong side power? Was it you know, was it a gap scheme? Was it a, a zone scheme? Right, wide stretch or tight stretch, like that that type of tight zone or, or wide zone. 
Like, so I'll, I'll give all this information. And then if something spectacular happens or there's somebody that does something special, I'll write that. And sometimes in the passes, I'll write not only what kind of what they did on the front side. Was it a strong side flood, a weak side flood? Was it a, you know, a three man concept on the, on the, you know, on the three receiver side, that type of thing. And then I'll write down whatever, whatever it is note wise that piques my interest. Like, I mean, it takes each play. You got to, you got 60, let's say it's 65 plays. I'm talking about, it probably takes me two hours to get through just the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, it's interesting because what you're describing, it's fascinating, uh-huh. but it sounds complex, right? Right. I mean, it's almost like that uh, Russell Crowe movie, Beautiful Mind, and all that. Right. All those, all the... uh, you know, equations are, are popping up in, in his mm-hmm. head on the screen, right? Uh-huh. But yet, you have consistently talked about how much you admire the teams who have a clear identity. Yes. Almost from the standpoint of how simple mm-hmm. they keep it. Right. And we were talking about Tuesday night football. Is is there a better example right now than the Titans? No. Like like I, I told you this in our radio show and somebody brought this up. It may be a Kung Fu Panda quote. I don't know. I watch a lot of kids' movies because I have granddaughters. <laughs> so maybe maybe I stole it from yeah. Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda, Frozen, who knows? Right. But I said to you, the thing about the Titans is you have to know who you are in life before you know where you're going. And the teams that don't have an identity, the teams that don't know what they are, the teams that are flavor of the month, the teams that are like, oh, shit, look at that. That team did something really cool. Let's make that what we hang our hats on. Those teams suck. Those teams are 7-9 and nine every year. Those teams are the Bengals or, you know, the Browns of the past or the whatever. The Broncos right now, for crying out loud. Ugh. Like, that's they're the flavor of the month teams. Whereas the Tennessee Titans are going to line up and try to whoop your ass. or run the football. They know exactly what they are. I'm not saying that they don't have innovative stuff, that they're not good at that. But at their core... They're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. That's who they want to be. They know who they are. And they're either going to win that way or they're going to lose that way. But, damn it, they're going to hang their hat on that one tenant. And I admire that. Like I truly admire that. Now, to be good for the long haul, Mike, let's say, let's say that you want to be, let's call it a counter and a power team, right? And we're going to run counter weak and we're going to run power strong. Great. You can't run it every, like, I love play repeaters. I love guys that call the same play over and over again. But if you call the same play out of an identical formation with an identical motion five times in a row, guess what? The defense is going to figure out what the hell you're doing, and they're going to meet you at the point of attack. And so I love play callers that call the same play but do it out of different personnel groupings, out of different formations, out of different motions, out of different... Like that, that can take one play and present it in 12 different facets to the defense. So their eyes have to change 12 times in that one play. Those are the guys that get to the next level and then have several adjunct play actions off of that particular run that look identical, that exploit a different guy, that puts somebody else into conflict. When you have that, those are the guys from an offensive play calling standpoint 
that are working into the next quarter why they're calling this quarter. Those guys, like there are coordinators that just call it from play to play. There are coordinators that call a play thinking about what's going to happen two drives from now. And those play callers are freaking awesome. Or three quarters from now. Right. So that's where you have to get to. I've got the Giants Washington this weekend. And the one thing about and, and both listen, both are have quarterback, you know, quote unquote young quarterback issues, right? That they're trying to deal with right now. New coordinators, new systems, and all that kind of stuff. But when I watch both of these teams, they're calling plays during the moment. They're in the moment from a calling play standpoint. And they need to be calling plays in that moment, thinking about how they're going to set that up. Like by, by that, I got to the third quarter charting the Giants. And one of the reasons I do first down, second down, you know, second down and long, second down. So I always give like second down and 11. And then I go back through it and I highlight, okay, first down, first and 10. And second down in two to five, uh, second down in, in five minus. I'll highlight all those plays in blue. Okay. That's my base. Then I'll get into second down and six plus, third down and six plus. I'll highlight all those in red. That's, those are the, those are important, right? Those things are, man, those are our key downs. And those are the nickel or sub downs, right? And then I'll give you, I'll give you in, in the blue downs, you know, second down and five minus and first and 10. Those are base. That's what you are at your core. That's what you want to be. That's what you believe in. So the, that's your identity. That's, that's, supposedly. Right, that's where, and that's where everything builds off of. And then your third downs, who you, who are you in those situations? Second down and long and third down and long. Um, you know, that, who are you? And then I'll, I'll do my third down and, and third down and five minus in yellow. Um, because it's it, like the teams that just want to throw it in third down and five, I know what their coordinators are. Like the teams that, that don't have any duality. Because if you just throw it in that in that situation, you know what it tells me? You really don't want to run the ball. And you really put your offensive line in harm's way. And you really don't make the def- defense defend everything. If you don't have good nickel runs in those situations where you can exploit a defense, you don't have... You know, you don't have the ability to line up in base and, and throw it out of base. So then I, I can go through and look at, well, how many times were you in base? How many times you run it? How many times you throw it? How many? And I can look at all that stuff after I chart it all. Um, and, it you know, it, it just takes a lot of time to go through games like that. But, um, but it does give you kind of a sense when you're broadcasting a game what a team is, what, what they want to be. And getting back, you know, to my, to my Giants, like by the end of the game, by formation, Mike, I'm like in the third quarter. Oh, here comes the uh, weak side counter. Oh, here comes the power. Because it's the exact same formation, the exact same motion. And and I was just like, oh, it, tight end's off the ball? Like the tight end, tight end lines up on the ball. And and this is pretty, this is endemic in the league. But if the tight end lines up on the ball, you know what, you're, you, what you, you run a tight zone or a wide zone, that direction, or gap to that side. Tight end lines up, like the tight end lines up in a wing formation. Well, the tight ends usually come across the ball. So you're either running a bend back play or you're running, you know, a, a pull play where you're running like weak side counter, tight end counter, 
or you're running something or you're running a zone that way and he's got the last man on the line of scrimmage as a kick out. But he's usually going back across the formation. And by the end of, like I said, in the third quarter, I go, oh, here comes that weak side counter again. So how many teams, when, when you look at film, how many teams would you say in the NFL are there that if you were looking at their film, you'd be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Or I don't know what they're going to run right here. I mean, how, how many are there? There's 32 teams. How, how many teams that are creative? How many teams right. aren't predictable? Yeah. How, I mean, the Rams. The Rams are are never static, always moving, and always have something. Always have something. I mean, they're very much who they are. They're very much a power run football team disguised as a spread football team. Um, but how how like they're. And Sean McVay, Sean McVay gets so much credit for being an innovator, right? And people are like, and most of his innovation is window dressing. Because at their core, they're like, they're a lot like we were in Washington in my Washington heydays winning championships under Joe Gibbs. We're a three-wide spread team that physically beats your ass at line of scrimmage. So... They run the football, but the other thing they do, Mike, and they do it exceptionally well, is they max protect. I can't ha- tell you how many times you'll see them in three wides, which is kind of the illusion of spread, right? How many times you see them in three wides, and how many times they're running two or three-man routes? They're not getting five guys. Like Kansas City, when you watch Kansas City, and it's the same root offense. It's the, it's the West Coast offense, and it's been, you know, it's been morphed, and it's been... It bastardized and everything else, but it's the same root offense. But Kansas City wants to get five guys out all the time, where the Rams are fine getting two or three guys out and protecting the quarterback and doing it off of you know play fakes and motions and and stemming from one formation to the next formation. Like San Francisco does a phenomenal job last week, notwithstanding, but they do a phenomenal job of keeping you on your heels. Um, so, 32 teams in the league. Six? Eight? Ten? Fewer? What? Yeah, I would say. That you would think. I would say that probably. Check all your boxes right, offensively. I would probably say, and again, I'm not watching. I'm watching highlights on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm just really deep diving in the teams that I'm sure, covering. But but I would say probably, like anything, there's probably eight to eight to 12 teams that are really good. Really good at that stuff. And then there's everybody else that's just calling plays and running plays. And, hey, listen, man, you may have a great matchup one weekend, and, you know, you may have a receiver go for 125 yards and two touchdowns, and, and you know, and you have a breakout game. Um, but there are there are a handful of teams that really set – really not only set them up, like every team will create explosive plays based on we had a good matchup and our guy beat your guy, Right. And sometimes, some teams, that's the only way they can get explosive. So some teams, like you watch the teams that give me the give me the offenses that have the most explosive most explosive plays, twenty plus yard plays, or twelve. Yeah, it depends on how you define it. Twelve plus yard runs and twenty plus yard plays. You know, I I'll just put it all categorize it as all sixteen plus yard plays, passing and running. Okay, you show me the teams that have the majority of those, the most of those in the league, and I'll show you the teams that are best game planners and best situational game planners. Like, 
that set up that that create explosives. Show me the teams that are at the bottom in the league, and I'll show you teams that rely on one on one matchups all the time. Well, okay, the marquee matchup of the weekend then: Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Oh man, Bucks and, Bucks and uh, Packers, Bruce Arians, Matt Lafleur. Yeah. Who who does it? Who does it better right now? Well, right right now it's the Packers. I mean, the Packers. You know, with Rodgers is a machine oh, right a, now, absolute machine. And and you know, the thing they're not getting a ton of credit for is they're. I mean, they're they're running the football with great efficiency. It sets up the play action for Rodgers. Rodgers making big plays over the top to guys with three names. I mean, when you got three names, come on, you know, when your name is. Valdez, Scandling, Martin, or some or whatever it is, you know, and I don't have the names in front of me. I can't remember those guys' names, but Valdez, Scandling, very good. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy with three names, you know, got there through hard work. If you have three names, you got to work your ass off. You just, if you got three names, you didn't get there on talent. You got there because you had three names. You got beat up a lot as a kid because everybody hated your three names, and then you know, and then eventually, you know, you got to the NFL through hard work. It's not like you just out talented people. People without like the people that out talent people is you know they get three initials OBJ. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Oh, this makes such yeah. perfect sense. Now. The guys that have that kind of talent get right. there just based on they get they get there on a nickname. Yeah. T O. Yeah. Right. Boom. Right. I mean, that's Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco is even his name. Wow. Boom, I think we figured something out. I think we did. Like, if you've got three names, you had to bust your ass. <laughs> That's right. Right? That's you right. weren't that good. You yeah. busted your ass. I'm surprised Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is where he's at right, right now. If you just got, yeah, a, but he probably is not the fastest or the biggest or the strongest. That's true. But if he keeps doing what he's doing, you know he'll be? C-E-H. C-E-H. Yep. Good point. Yeah. Oh, we have... We've cracked the code. Nailed it. Cracked the code. Now You're we welcome, only, America. Now if we could only figure out Vegas. Oh, gosh. Well, you know who can help us? Our guy, Jay, Jay Cornegay. Love visiting with Jay. Hey, join the program right now. It's Jay Cornegay from uh, Superbook, America's best bet. And, uh, Jay, it continues. The ass-whipping <laughs> continues. Um, we both went 2-1 and one last week, but I have got a... It may be, and I'll have to get your expert opinion. It may be insurmountable. The the lead I have taken, I am nine and what am I nine, nine and, six, and six, and you are six seven and two. Yes, I don't know that you can come back from that. Of course, Jay. I can. No, I don't know that you can. <laughs> um, but I absolutely whipping Mike's ass right now. Well, nine and six is pretty impressive, Mark, because the NFL is so difficult right now. But I got a lot of faith in Mike. We're we're only approaching week six here. We got a long way to go. So. You know, I'm saying that because I'm about 500 myself. <laughs> well, I'm before we get to the picks, I, I am kind of curious. The how did the Broncos Patriots line change when it was uh, when it was announced that both uh, you know Cam Newton and or expected that both Cam Newton and, and Stephon Gilmore would play? How much how much do, do do individual players? How much can they impact the the lines? Well, it really depends on the backup, you know, and the quality of the backup. So, you know, I've seen in the Broncos uh, game, I've seen anything from, you know, 8 to 11 and a half. So it was bouncing all over the place, you know. you know, And I think the last time we looked, it was like 8 and a half. So it, it really depends on the backup, especially quarterbacks. Quarterbacks can, you know, have a huge influence on the line. People always ask me, 
you know, that question, I said, well, it really depends on the quality of the backup because sometimes, you know, it could be, it could be a seven, eight point difference, but in general, it's usually about, uh, you know, it could be like, I'm saying like Dak, you know, being out that was and going down to Dalton. That's probably about a five, five and a half point difference there. How much difference does it make having Drew Locke back? The assumption here in Denver is Drew Locke's going to play for the Broncos. He's going to start on Sunday against the Patriots. So, like, how much of a factor is that uh, versus like a Brett Rippon? And you and you mentioned that you know Brett Rippon is is obviously a young player. Has been cut a couple of times. Um, he's had one start on his belt against the Jets. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's not that much of a difference right now. It mm-hmm. is probably about a half point, and some would say maybe a full point, uh, because Locke himself is, is still relatively new, and we've only had a small sample from him. He's coming off an injury, which is also you know a question mark. So at this time, you're only looking about a half point point difference between the two. But I can see that increasing as you know Locke performs and gets more reps under his belt, and I, I believe he's going to improve. But right now, it's probably only about a point difference. All right, let's get to uh, the games. I get to go first here, so I, I need a three and zero week. So let's let's see what you think. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers over the Bucks in a a pick'em game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just is like a, a cyborg, a, a Terminator on, on a mission right now, and and Tom Brady. I don't know. Looked looked a little shaky last week against uh, against the Bears. So I'm going to take the Packers in a pick'em game. I'm going to go with the Rams minus three at San Francisco. I had a chance to watch a lot of Mark's broadcast last week. San Francisco and Miami, and boy, Miami really hammered uh, San Francisco. And I, I think the Rams are, are playing a good, tough. Uh, form of football right now, both sides of the ball. So I'm going to go with the Rams minus three. And uh, I, this line is kind of a stinky line. Uh, the, the Steelers at home, only a three-point favorite over the Browns. It's almost like you guys there are begging people to take the Steelers, which gives me a little bit of pause, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you, Mike. I mean, I, I, I mean, you're looking at these three games, and I can guarantee you the book is going to need the Bucks the 49ers and the Browns this weekend. And looking at that Packers game, and and I understand it, it's really weird because all the bets are coming in on the Packers. Yet the line is dropping. It's moving towards the Tampa Bay. One of the things that they're looking at, you know, Green Bay has it, you know, so far they've looked impressive, but they've had a relatively uh, favorable schedule. Uh, A lot of uh, wide receivers are not 100% for Tampa Bay, but it's interesting to see the line drop when all the bets are actually on Green Bay, meaning that probably the Sharps are on Tampa Bay. Now, looking at that Sunday night game, it's probably going to be the biggest game of the week for the books. Um, I mean, everybody saw that debacle the 49ers did and, you know, at home against the Dolphins. I mean, no one's looking to bet the 49ers. Every single book in this world will probably need the, the, the 49ers in this game. Garoppolo, uh, I mean, I know he, like, missed two games, but it's, it looked like he missed five years. He was just so lost. I expect him to bounce back a little bit. But uh, I know most people will look at this game and go, wow, I only have to lay three points against these guys. Did you see what I saw last week? So one of the biggest games of the week, if not the biggest game for the books on Sunday night. And then you can look at the uh, Steelers and Browns. You look at that, and uh, I, I get it. I mean, you look at that line. When's the last time we saw the Steelers only laying three at home against the Browns? It just doesn't make any sense. 
this division is so good. I mean, I mean, they're, both of these teams are trying to keep up with the Ravens, and they're going to probably be doing that for the entire season. But uh, I know that most people will lean towards the Steelers. But I'm telling you about the Browns. Their power ratings are very high, and they're very similar to the, the Steelers at this point. And that's why you're only seeing Pittsburgh lay three at home against the Browns. All right. Well, there you have Mike's picks, and uh, he needs a big week. I doubt that he'll get it. Um me there on the other hand, Jay. Then there's Stop me. I think fired. I think the problem with Mike is he doesn't ever have a theme. Every week I have a theme. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, this ought it's, to be good. So it's thematic. My my picks are thematic, and that's why um, I consistently win. And I have kind of two separate themes here. Okay, so oh now we're into two themes. Yeah, well, you go because, from one theme to now we're two themes. Well, I have an antagonist and protagonist. It's like a writer. It's it's incredible what I do. So here's the deal. Huh. To know, you know what? You have to know who you are to know where you're going. You got to you got to have that principle, Mike. And so I'm going to take two teams that know who they are. The two teams that I think probably know who they are better than any other two teams in football, the Titans. I've got the Titans giving up three to the Texans. The Titans are going to come thunder punch you in the throat. That's that's how they win football games. They're going to dominate the line of scrimmage, and they're going to win football games that way. The Texans got a win last week, but the Texans are, are reeling. They've already fired their coach. The Titans have this chip on their shoulder like, oh, woe is me. They're, they're acting like they're victims. Like they had a bunch of guys test positive for COVID. It was like, oh, woe is us. The whole league's against us. The world's against us. We didn't do anything wrong. Meanwhile, you're practicing Fridays at some, you know, at some at high school stadium that you're not supposed to go to. You're not a victim. Don't, don't act like a turd, but you know who you are. They've got an identity, and they're going to physically dominate you. Same thing for the Ravens. The Ravens, I don't care if it's 13 points. I don't care if it's 12 points. I don't care if it's 6 points, whatever it is. It's not enough. The Ravens are taking on the Eagles, giving up 7.5 points in Philadelphia. Doesn't matter. They're going to dominate the running game. They're going to dominate the time of possession. They're going to dominate the scoreboard. Um, the Eagles have struggled blocking people, all those different things. Uh, the Ravens bring pressure. They're, they're complimentary football at best. Um, that's that's their best attribute. Like They're going to wind down the clock. They're going to eat up possessions for the opposing offense. Uh, you're, you're, down by, you're down by seven, and it feels like you're down by 21 because you're starting to count possessions going, shoot, we've only had the ball twice here, and we're going into the second quarter, and we're down 10 points. That's what the Ravens do to you. So I'll give the seven and a half, and I've liked the Ravens. And then ultimately, here's my other theme. Well, whoever the Jets are are playing, <laughs> take the opposite team. Regardless of the points, it's the Jets are that bad. The Dolphins, eight and a half points. I'm giving eight and a half points and taking the freaking Dolphins because the best thing the Jets could do right now is they could they could basically say we're opting out of the season. Like, is it too late for all the like the players had the choice to opt out of the season due to COVID? The Jets should opt out. So I'm taking the Dolphins in a uh, in a blowout against the Jets. There's my picks, Jay. What say you? <laughs> opt out. I love it. Uh, <laughs> and I understand the attraction to the the Titans, and and everybody saw that game and in that dominant performance and yes us against the world i don't know if they got that out of their system or not but you know the texans for some reason are a, a sharp kind of guys team they they're i mean i think they're only one and four right now yes they they fire o'brien they beat jacksonville do they have some momentum i don't know if beating jacksonville really you know creates that 
Uh, Tennessee still undefeated, but it's a short week, and that's one of the reasons why that line is so low. But I don't blame you. I, 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 I think the world of the Titans. I think that they're they're physically dominating. I, I love Henry. I, I, I love Tannehill. I just love what they're doing out there. But that short week concerns me a little bit. Um, well, they had 16 days yeah. off, and that wasn't much of a game. So I think they're going to be okay. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, all right. Okay. We see. We'll see. The uh, Ravens, which I think you pick every week, Mark. Uh, yes. I, I get it. Yeah. So uh, I know everybody's on the Ravens every single week. Uh, they made easy work of the Bengals last, last week. Philly actually played pretty well against Pittsburgh. You know, they, that's two games in a row. They didn't cover last week at the last second, but they could easily covered and maybe even won that game. Philly's playing a little better than they have in the early part of the season. I wouldn't, you know, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Philadelphia cover that game. Uh, that's a lot of points, you know, on the road. You got, uh, you, you got the the Ravens. I'm not sure if it's a big game for them. I, I can just see a laying an egg here, maybe covering with the last or not covering, but winning the game with the last second field goal. Uh, Dolphins, totally get it. the Jets are so horrendous. They're so bad, but you're buying the Dolphins at the highest market price right now. I mean, the Dolphins laying eight and a half now. I know it's the Jets, but this is the highest price that you'll probably see on the Dolphins. It's not the best time to be on the Dolphins, so I'm going to go with the Jets. Sorry, Mark. I think you're going to go one and two this week, ooh, but no, we'll see. Leaving we'll the door see, open for yeah, me. I hate to go against you. Jay, I understand. I understand that, but my my uh, financial philosophy here is why I have four jobs. Is I like to buy high and sell low. So that's that's kind of how I like I, to start a business during a right, pandemic. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't do a good job of retaining money. I do a good job of making money. Making money is not my, my like. That's my strong suit. Retaining it. That's a shortcoming for me. So I'm going to buy the Dolphins high. By the way, Jay, a couple times you've you've referred to the Sharks out there, and i got to admit, whenever you talk about the Sharks, I feel a little envious. Do you think there'll ever come a day where you think of Mark and I as a shark? <laughs> well, shark or sharks, I, you know, I, I call them both the same thing. But, uh, you know, if you guys keep betting everything that has a minus sign in it, <laughs> you know, it's I, it's just not a good result. I can tell you, in the yeah. long run, it doesn't work yeah. out. That's why I'm on this side of the yeah. counter yep. and still punching in and out every day. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. That's true. Uh, we'll see. We'll we see. always take the favorites, don't we? <laughs> we always pick the favorites. I am. A, I am. We I'm picked all... six favorites this week. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but you know what? It's working out for me, yeah. not so much for you. All right. all right, Jay. Listen, we appreciate you, buddy. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Jay Cornegay from uh, Superbook, America's Best Bet. Man, for everybody involved in the podcast, for our, our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Superbook, also for the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, we appreciate you. Good luck this week in your gambling and your watching football. Enjoy it, and we'll be back on Monday to break it all down.